0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another post from r slash ask reddit, a subreddit where anyone can ask a question and the most popular answers get upvoted to the top. Today's question, girls, what was the most obvious hint you dropped? And the guy just didn't get it. We were playing life, and he was the police officer. The rule is, if you spin a 10, he gets your speeding fines. I literally pulled open my button down and exposed my breasts and said, What can I do to get out of paying this? He said, Ma'am, I am an officer of the law. Are you trying to prostitute yourself to me? A couple of days of flirting and sexual innuendo later, I literally had to spell out that I was trying to screw him. We've been together six years now. I'm the guy in this situation, but I couldn't help not sharing this story. In college, this girl I was really into asked if I wanted to hang out at my dorm and drink and watch Netflix. She came over and we were watching and drinking on the couch in the living room, per my suggestion. Things are going good. And about an hour into it, she says, oh, well, let me see your room. So we'd go to my room. She takes her shoes and socks off and immediately sprawls herself out on my bed and says, oh my God, your bed is so comfortable. I responded with, We live in the same building. It's the same bed as yours. She left about ten minutes later. We were talking about canoes, and I said, I'm like a canoe because I'm wet, and you can go inside of me. And he said, Canoes aren't really wet. He told me my hair looked nice. I said, But it would look nicer with your hands in it. He said in a very confused tone, You want me to style your hair? When my boyfriend and I had just started dating, we were laying down watching a movie. But this was a small bed, and he was being respectful and giving me space. I kept wiggling backwards so I could get closer to him. And he kept inching backwards too, since he thought I was just trying to get comfortable and he was in the way. He ended up sitting in a chair next to the bed. Three years later, we are still together, and I still think it's pretty funny. He told me that when he was in the chair, he purposely left his hand next to me in case I wanted to hold it, but I guess I missed that sign too. He didn't get out of the bed because he was uncomfortable, he truly thought he was taking up too much space, and didn't realize I was trying to cuddle. I threw my panties at him, and he kept explaining God of War lore. After chatting for hours on top of a mountain from sunset until like 2am, sharing a blanket, Me leaning my head on his shoulder, telling him he's attractive, etc. He turns to me and says, How do you tell if a girl is into you? This just happened a couple of weeks ago to my boyfriend of three years. Me undresses and lays naked on the couch, waiting to bone. Him makes dumb joke, Oh, you're naked, that's so weird. Me dies a little bit inside. I'm a guy, but once I had an experience where I took the hint but still got rejected. A girl had asked me if I lost my virginity yet. We were both in high school. When I said I hadn't, she said that I could practice on her whenever I want. Mind you, we were walking home after school because we lived close by. I try to act on this hint when we get to her house, and she said she was only joking and doesn't want it to be weird with us as friends. So answering in lieu of my late wife here, I, the husband, am dumb. Like, really dumb. She and I met and became friends very quickly, but I didn't know she apparently had a huge crush on me. I thought she was out of my league, and apparently she thought I was out of her league too. But she couldn't stop the feels. She rubbed her feet on me while we were talking, asked me in detail about my package, gave me her phone number with the line, hit me up if you want pizza and sex. We went out for lunch, she offered to fillet me for a Dr. Pepper, and she was very insistent that we got meat lover's pizza when I asked her what she wanted for watching a movie later. After we watched the movie, she was in my bed, I figured she was just wanting to keep warm and cuddle, but she strutted into my bathroom, stark naked, and I had some double D's staring at me. She kissed me and told me, I want you to screw me, you idiot. A regular romance story there. In my defense, she had a really warped sense of humor, and I thought she was kidding with all that stuff. It felt so natural with us being friends that the thought didn't even cross my mind until she propositioned me that there was potential for more. I'd had some really effed up exes, and I thought romance was something where I had to jump through hoops for the other person and wait on them hand and foot. But she was different. That's why she was the one who I got on one knee for. Advice to the ladies out there. If my wife telling me, I want you to screw me, got through my legendary thick skull, I think as a last resort, I'll get through to anybody. Before we started dating, I told my current boyfriend, I love you. And he said, "Aw, I love you too. You're such a good friend. The whole time we thought we were both friend zoning each other wasted half a year going in circles, shaking my head. I asked a guy on a festival to come take a shower with me. He didn't get it. He just repeated there was only one free shower. And I was like, well, they are big. I'm sure it's fine. And he just looked confused and told me I could go first. We became close friends since that happened about two years ago. And this summer I spoke to him about it. And he really had no idea. He did the biggest facepalm I've ever ever seen before my boyfriend asked me out he kept hinting at the fact that we were both single and everyone thought we would be cute together i was like yeah not realizing he was trying to ask me out guy here i was invited back to study by one of the girls in my class at her apartment we're about a half hour in and she says she might take a shower i'm like okay kind of random but okay Anyway, she starts telling me the door to the shower is broken, so don't come in. Says it three or four more times. Again, I'm like, okay, weird. She said that multiple times, but okay. An hour later, the shower is still running. I can hear her singing and humming away, so I know she's okay and hasn't drowned. Thinking, gee, that's a long shower, though. Water goes off, and she comes out dressed and says, you didn't come in. I'm confused as I'm like, what the F? She told me not to. She sits back down, clearly distracted and not wanting to study. We wrap up after five minutes. Drive home. My mate asked me how study was about a week later and the situation, which I hadn't given a single brain cell thought to since. I explained to him, as I'm saying it out loud, the penny drops as to what a big F-head I am. For Valentine's a couple of years ago, I mailed my husband a package. The note said, and I quote, I want you now. I was ready to spring into some extra fun, sexy time whenever he opened the package. I had to sit him down and explain a couple of hours later. He was like, oh. I'm not as brutally upfront as some of these people, but mine happened just yesterday. How do I know a girl is flirting with me? He asks. She touches you a lot while you two are talking. Him. I cannot relate at all. That never happens to me. Me. I'm sure it does, I tell him, and I hit his arm. Him. No, I can't think of any time that's ever happened. On our first date, my current boyfriend and I went out to dinner, to a bar, and eventually back to his house to watch scary movies. After hanging out for almost eight hours at that point, practically cuddling into him the entire time we were watching movies, dropping as many hints as I could, Around 3 a.m., when we were both fighting to stay awake, I finally had to look his dumbass in the eye and ask, so are you going to kiss me or not? Though he was totally oblivious, it did show his good heart. He was about to let me fall asleep on his couch and spend the night without even trying to kiss me. I knew he was a keeper after that guy here, but once I had a girl drag me into the bathroom while at a college party saying she needed help finding her marker or pen. We didn't find it, and I figured out what was really going on a year later. I complained I was a bit cold, so he gave me a blanket, and then I told him there's space for two under the blanket in an obvious flirting tone. He answered with, No thanks, I'm not cold. I still tease him with it once in a while. We're married now. One time, a girl straight-up asked if I wanted to take my pants off, and I didn't get it. I was like, nah, they're actually not uncomfortable at all. I literally said, I want to be yours. And the dude just keeps smiling and goes on about random space facts. That one hurt a bit. I'm a guy, but I can share my density as the guy that missed the hints. I went to a store where there was a girl I liked in college. We used to small talk while I browsed, and I never bought anything being a poor college student. This time I came in the store and she said hi, and we chatted a bit while I shopped. She complained, I'm going to be home alone tonight, my family is out of town. I replied, oh, that's too bad. She says, I'm off at five today. It was four at the time. What are you up to tonight? I'm up for anything. Oh, nothing, just sitting at home watching a movie. My brain must have completely self destructed because the conversation ended there. I never saw her again after that. She either quit or was avoiding me. I must have been in a daze from school to miss that cue. I had a girl invite me to her house once just to show me her posters. They were all of Harley Davidson motorbikes, and she said she's never ridden a Harley before. Awkward silence. And after a few other sort bits of small talk, I decided to be on my way. Two years later, I'm sitting on the bus and realize what she meant. Harley. ridden a Harley. My name is Harley. Reading these posts has gotten me even more confused. I'm a guy in my 30s. Basically, 70% of the top replies has happened to me a lot, except the super obvious one where the girl is making a physical move, like hugs and kisses. But the couple of times I've actually made the move, nope, they just want to be a friend. F my life, I guess. And this is why we ignore all those hints. So that wraps up today's post. I hope you got some chuckles out of these. Hope this helps out some guys out there who may be missing the hints. But girls, we gotta be more upfront, it seems. I have definitely laid my head on a guy's shoulder before, which was totally missed. Do you have any others you'd like to add? We would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. If you liked the video, leave a like or a comment. It always helps us out a lot. And if you'd like to hear more and see more posts from r/askreddit and other subreddits when they come out on the channel, please subscribe. As always, thank you so much for watching and for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another post from r/askreddit, a subreddit where anyone can post a question and the top questions and answers get upvoted to the top. Today's question, Therapists of Reddit, what are some red flags we should look for in therapists? Therapist checks her messages during a session. A therapist pushes their own religious views on their client. It's a stupid mistake, but it's common. Therapist discloses content of the sessions to third parties. Exceptions to this rule are clinical supervision when a therapist seeks a senior or colleagues for technical advice or when a patient's life is at risk. The therapist flirts with the client. Number two resonates with me. I tried going to a therapist during university. During the first visit, she asked about my religious beliefs and then scoffed when I told her I didn't find any of the arguments for God convincing. And then she implied that was the cause of my difficulties. Needless to say, I didn't go back. I had the same but opposite experience. My therapist was an atheist and told me that I was struggling with PTSD from my recent rape because God says sex is a sin, and if I didn't believe in God, sex wouldn't be a sin, and I wouldn't have PTSD. While I know some people hold extra pain from rape because of religious views, I clearly stated that I wasn't sleeping or eating because I had sex. I wasn't sleeping or eating because a man raped me. If they are distracted at all, you know, they check a text or email or anything during a session. Or if they can get you in immediately, it may mean they don't have many clients. This could either mean that they're very new or not a very good therapist. could also mean that they've had a cancellation, so do some research on that one. Any kind of flirtation. It does happen. Just get out of there. Or, you know, not helping you to find goals to move forward. Some therapists are happy to take your money and just let you bitch about life for an hour. And while that may be a relief for you, it's only going to help long term if there are actionable steps taken that are agreed upon by you and your therapist. This is the work of therapy and most important, but also when many people drop out. Also, I see life coaches popping up on therapy resource pages. They are not trained professionals. Should try to avoid them. Not helping you define goals to move forward. Some therapists are happy to take your money and just let you bitch about life for an hour. This is so, so important. When I was a teen, I struggled with an eating disorder and anxiety and went to therapy for like two years straight and then another year. I got better, no doubt about that, but sometimes I wonder how much of it was just me having someone to talk to and finding my own defense mechanisms and reasoning my behavior than the actual work of the therapist. I'd basically sit there, update him on my week, and he'd ask about how I felt about those things and if I thought I was being honest to myself. Even when he dismissed me, I was super happy with my progress, I was still very much feeling like I wasn't okay. Flash forward to me being a young adult and having some shit happen in my life and figuring that it was probably time to go back to therapy. But I didn't want to go to the same one, and my doctor couldn't recommend one, so I went to a random one on my street that took my insurance. I wasn't expecting much, but man, I was shocked! First of all, he did an actual, thorough assessment. I spent a few sessions doing mostly tests, but he came out with the great data about everything from my personality to my strengths and weaknesses and my diagnosis instead of just slapping a diagnosis on me from kind of looking at me for two seconds like the other guy had. Then he actually drew a treatment plan, mentioned the kinds of therapy and techniques he was going to use, and made sure I was part of the decision process regarding what we were going to target, and what my priorities were. Some sessions, he did a lot more talking than me because he was explaining what was going on in my brain and why I was feeling like I was feeling or why someone else's behavior made sense from a psychological point of view. He gave me homework. Sometimes it was journaling my feelings. Sometimes it was making concept mind maps. Sometimes it was simply making a decision so we could move forward based on it. It was a lot harder than the first time I went to therapy because it required a lot more work and a lot of thinking about things that I didn't want to think about, but I could actually feel myself improve week to week. Sometimes it was really, really hard, but I remember his words and be like, this is my brain doing this because of this past event. And it was much easier to accept it. I happened to stumble upon this therapist by chance, but it really changed my life for the better. Now I understand the difference between a good therapist versus a not-so-great one and the impact it can have on your mental health, and I'll always be a champion for people being sure they're going to a good therapist. A not-so-great therapist might make you feel better in the short term, but if the underlying issue isn't properly taken care of, its effects might show themselves again later on, when you're feeling lower and it's just going to be worse. Make sure you've got a good therapist, and don't be afraid to shop around if you're feeling iffy about your current one. If they immediately try to present you with answers to all of your problems, not leave you to your own solutions, there's a major distinction there. I went to the first initial therapy session, and I explained I had just broken up with my boyfriend, transferred from what I thought was my dream school to a local school, and was considering going back to the first school, and how lonely I was. She told me that the initial therapy session was just to talk about my goals, but was not a legit session. The only thing she told me to prepare for next session was to look at college majors between the two schools. I came back the next session ready with all my school information about what majors stood out to me, and she berated me for still feeling unhappy and lonely, and seemed pissed that I didn't do any self-work. In the week between the initial consultation and the first real session, she kept saying therapy isn't magic and that if I wanted to see results, I needed to put in the work outside the session. Um, we didn't even get into the actual therapy yet. She insisted I only wanted to go back to my original school because it's a party school and I wanted to party. This is not true at all. She told me I was enabler because I was okay with my ex being tipsy around me even though we also agreed that he's not an alcoholic. She told me that I made a lot of mistakes. It scared me away from therapy for a year. I finally went back to free counseling sessions offered through my university. And my new therapist was absolutely incredible. Completely changed my whole view on therapy. My university therapist was amazing too. He was the first person to ever say to me, thanks, Sharing that with me, I now use that phrase in my day-to-day life to respond when people are vulnerable with me. If a therapist works in a lot of things about themselves and their lives, I had a therapist with ADHD who got his PhD before the internet with no meds at all, and it was honestly incredibly helpful to learn how he managed to cope. But that's obviously not the norm. My therapist also used to talk a bit about his own experiences but didn't go into detail. I found it helpful because I felt less alone in what I was going through, but he's also mindful of it. I'm sure there's a line there between, let me use my experience as an example to help, and your experiences are less valid than mine. There absolutely is. We're taught only to share personal details with the client in a session, if and only if it is helpful to the client and their goals and therapy. And even then, We are taught to only do so minimally. If the therapist is using your session to process their own shit, they have terrible boundaries and are not going to do you much or any good and may even cause harm. Therapist here. This depends on how it's done. There's a principle in therapy about appropriate disclosure that can help make some clients feel more safe to be vulnerable and be able to relate in a humanistic way. It can help create a connection to do deeper work. On the other hand, some therapists use it really badly and just make things about themselves. I had a therapist once who would make every session about him and his childhood abuse. Like, yeah, I was a suicidal 16-year-old in an abusive home who was largely at risk of running away or killing myself, but let's talk about you and your problems, dude. That's what the state is paying you for. But hey, At least he gave me a script for sleeping pills so my nightmares couldn't bother me. We call those self disclosures, and while therapeutically they can be useful, more often than not, they aren't. When the session becomes more about the therapist than the client, then you know you have a problem. I used to have a lot of repressed anger from an abusive childhood, and I really appreciate looking back that my therapist used a lot of self disclosure to help mitigate the transference. It helped me switch from kind of hating him because he's just like them, my parents, to feeling like he's truly on my side and he wants to help me. He made me feel like maybe if he can set strong boundaries with his own parents and express anger, maybe I can too. Now we have an excellent relationship and I have learned to accept that he's not going to hurt me like my parents did. His willingness to help me through that layer of protective anger means so much to me. So much this. I spoke to an online counselor one time who said they wanted to try something called grounding. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, okay, I'll try anything once. He showed me a picture of three women in tight, short dresses. I'm female, by the way. And said that the one in the middle was his wife. I needed to stare deeply into her eyes and imagine I had the kind of self-confidence she did. That I felt as sexy as she did and I was like, this is weird. I'm uncomfortable with this. He said it was all part of the process, and I noped out of there real quick. What the actual F? Grounding is a meditation technique where you focus on a physical sensation by focusing on your breathing or rubbing your fingers on fabric or squeezing a stress bomb. And this brings you back to a stronger sense of reality when you're anxious slash disassociating. It's not a weird wife mantra thing. I think there is a misconception that advice giving is what is most helpful. Therapists don't often give advice, but rather they offer alternative perspectives and create space for a collaborative approach to explore new ways of overcoming obstacles. We, as therapists, shouldn't ever assume we know what is best for a client to do. It is their life. If you have a therapist telling you what to do, I would have to assume there is an unhealthy power dynamic occurring which can have a variety of negative outcomes. Of course, there is a time and a place for advice, but usually that should come from a peer or family who are essentially at the same power level as you. It should be noted that suggestions, recommendations, etc., are totally fair game for a therapist to provide. The difference between this and giving advice is that giving advice assumes you know what is best and you're telling them to do something specifically. I'll often suggest to my clients, for example, have you ever thought about journaling to get some of your emotions out instead of keeping them in? I'd argue this isn't advice. It's up to them to decide whether they want to do it, and I'm not promising any specific outcome. If they seem to like the suggestion, I may assign homework for them to journal. This is more concrete, like some of you have mentioned, but I don't think it is advice. Maybe it's semantics. Also, every therapist has their own style and personality. It's not always going to be a good fit between client and therapist. Shopping around for a therapist should be encouraged if possible. Find what works best for you. My experience as a patient as well, my therapist inspired new perspectives that made me think differently about my problems. That was the part of therapy that helped me the most. Sometimes you are so focused on a thought or a way to think about a problem that you just need someone to help you take a step back and look at it from another angle. My worst counseling experience was a bereavement counselor after my partner died. She asked me, Are you angry that he left you? And when I said no, absolutely not, it wasn't his fault he got cancer and he would have done anything in the world to be able to stay with me. She said, Well, I'm angry at him for leaving you. It was so effed up. Who the F was she to say that? I didn't go back. What the actual F? I'm just a volunteer in some online support groups, and I would never express such an idiotic sentiment to a person experiencing loss. I had a therapist who, for three sessions in a row, grilled me about why I wasn't sexually active, dating, etc. He then told me that, you know, I really think it's important that you have these experiences now because people pair off in their 20s and get married. And if you don't have these experiences, you'll be left behind. I was 16 at the time. If they start most of their responses with at least and then try to put a silver lining on it instead of honoring your pain and what you shared with them. My use of the word honor in this context is meant to convey that you take a person's hurt and trauma seriously. Don't diminish or downplay what someone went through or how it affected them. Instead, respect what they've been through and how they got through it so you can focus on healing. Damn. I'm not a therapist, but I think I do have a bad habit of doing this when my friends are venting to me. I'm going to knock that off immediately. Yeah, most people don't want that. Here's a three-step guide to be a good, supportive listener. 1. Validate. Wow, that does suck. 2. Sympathize. I'm sorry you're going through that. 3. Empathize. I couldn't or wouldn't want to go through that either. Here is where you can offer advice if they are looking for it. If it were me, I would do this. Just remember, sometimes people just want to vent and aren't necessarily looking for advice. Do whatever variation of this needed and you'll be a happy, supportive listener and hopefully make the person venting feel better. I would also add, is there anything I can do to support you in this if they aren't looking for any advice? Therapist here, the big three are as follows. Talking about themselves in a way that is too detailed or detracts the attention and focus from you. Advice Giving We are not here to tell you what to do, not referring you on when an issue is out of their competency. For example, attempting to treat LGBTQ issues without training or skills with that particular population. I like to take this time to remind everyone that it's important to find a therapist with whom you can click. If their personality is a clash with yours, or their modality doesn't work for you, it's fine to find someone else. Hell, it's even expected. This is kind of my own personal style showing in a way, but I'm of the opinion that if every session the therapist is talking more than the client, there's something very wrong. It's a little normal for them to interrupt you to focus on something you said here and there, or direct you if you lose your way but if they're yammering on and you can't even talk about what you wanted to, I'd say that's a pretty big red flag for me. That said, I'd still say give it a couple of sessions before deciding on that, because the first session can often mean a lot of information gathering, so they have to touch on a lot of things. So that wraps up today's post. I personally love the advice on how to be a good, supportive listener. I think this is huge for any type of relationship. Do you have any personal experiences with a therapist that just didn't work out? Do you have any other red flags you'd like to add to this list? We would love to hear your thoughts and stories in the comments below. If you liked the video, please leave a like or a comment. It always helps us out a lot. And if you'd like to hear more and see more posts from r askreddit and other subreddits when they come out on the channel, please subscribe. As always, thank you so much for watching and for listening.